0: Rankium. This week, Leo 5.
1: Hello, and welcome to Roman Emperors. who's has rankium. Finally, I am Jamie. <laughs> and I am Rob. Ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine XI, and we're back! Yay! Yeah, it's been five weeks since we've recorded one of these. Five long, five weeks. long weeks. Yeah, due to uh, work pressures mm-hmm. and um, doing a Roman Republic episode yep. and only episode. Yeah, that's the longest gap we've ever done. Gosh, yeah, yeah. But we're back. Feels like coming home. Oh yeah. And it's Leo 5. Oh, it is. I haven't got a clue, have you? Nope. No, oh, well, no, he's you. one of the two people
0: oh, 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 that wanted I to take it over. After Marcellus, was it? No, uh, no, no. No, no, no. He's the public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael. There we go. Michael.
1: <laughs> Michael.
0: Um, yeah, it was Leo and somebody else, wasn't it? Leo and... Don't tell me. Pros... Procopia? No, wife. Um, Leo's in charge of an army. Has to give up. He abdicates. He's monked. And his sons are castrated.
1: Michael 2, that was it. Well done, you got there in the end. Yes, Leo, his friend Michael 2, and who was the third? <laughs> Look at panic on your face. I can tell you. I but defiantly you. reaching for those notes again. Yeah, yeah. Well, the third one, uh, Leo Maka and uh, Thomas... Well done. Oh, yeah. Yes, there's a couple of things that are happening today that's very exciting. One, we have a new source. Ooh, yay! Yes, we do. So we get some more details. We've had a drought of details for quite some time. We've had to make a lot of stuff up. We have. There was no Emperor Michael. (laughs) Whereas now, we finally get some sources. Yeah. uh, Yeah, a bit more detail today. And of course, we have the story, like you rightly point out, of Leo, his friend Michael, who becomes Michael too. And their friend Thomas isn't Thomas one that
0: he predicted he would die? And he horribly. A, yeah, horribly. probably. <laughs> like they
1: went to an old woman with a oh,
0: crystal ball. We'll
1: come back. We'll get okay. Yes, yeah, 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 obviously that's in Leo's life, so we're going to yeah. cover it again. Ooh, so let's do it, shall we? Here we go. The life of Leo. We don't know much about his early life. Oh, I thought you said we had yeah, sources. I know they kick in. They kick in okay. when he's alive. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. another, uh, another question mark at the beginning. Yeah. He was born around 775 to a patrician family, we think. Might have been the son of a governor to one of the themes. He was either of Armenian descent, and he is often known as Leo the Armenian, uh, <laughs> or he is from Syrian descent, and he is Syrian, often known as uh, Leo the Armenian. Okay. Yeah, the, right. the Syrian thing's less likely. Okay. Yeah. What we do know is that at a relatively early age, he made friends with another young man. Named Michael, who would become Michael too. I don't want to get him confused with the other Michael that's yeah. knocking around. This Michael had a bit of a stammer, apparently. St- stammer, yeah. Yeah, or, or a lisp. Depends on the translation. Oh. Most people go for stammer. Let's go with lisp. Or, or just a Sean Connery lisp again. Hello. <laughs> I'm Michael. <laughs> the yeah. Emperor. Who knows? No anyway. words with S's. He is known as Michael the Stammerer, or Michael 2, anyway. Okay. And at some point, they both become friends with a man, a young man named Thomas. Thomas had Slavic origins, so he's often known as Thomas the Slav. Yeah. And over the next couple of episodes, we're going to get to know the story of these three men. Nice. So,
0: predictions? Uh, I think Michael 2, obviously, and Leo 5 become emperors. Yeah. I think Thomas is going to die within this episode, and we'll see him die in the next episode again as well. Okay. That's my prediction.
1: Relationship between the three of them. I think it'll sour. Okay.
0: Because power seems to do that. Yeah. When before we started this podcast, we were essentially as, as inseparable. Yeah. As, as friends, you know, we did everything together. Mm. But then the power play started, and now you know, I'm I'm trying
1: to take you down from the inside. Yeah, which is quite uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, where these three met is unknown, but perhaps it was when they all joined the military under the General Badani's.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, now the three young men would have joined up to get experience that would aid their public careers, which has been pretty much the way since the start of the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, get some military experience under your belt, and then uh, rise through the ranks politically, live a comfortable life. Try not to get killed in a coup. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, the typical life of the aristocracy of Constantinople. Mm. However, not long after these three men joined up, the Empress Irene was deposed and Nikephoros took the throne. <laughs> yeah. Badanes, not happy about this, and also controlling a large army in the Anatolian region, decided to rebel. If that bean counter Nikephoros could be emperor, why not him? Hell yeah. This obviously posed a quandary for the three young men. I mean, there you are, you've just set up work experience. <laughs> you've just joined, so uh, what do I do? Organise the horses, and oh, oh, you've rebelled. Brilliant. I've now committed treason. Bugger. <laughs> well, that's an experience. What? It? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what would you do? If the rebellion's going well, you join it. If it's not? You distance yourself and run away. Yeah, this is pretty much the, the tact that these three young men decide to go for. Hang around for a while and see yeah. what's what. So the winds blowing. Yeah, exactly. Walking to the tent. Oh,
0: so how's the uh, the old rebellion going? He's weeping. He's weeping.
1: Get the horses. Get the horses. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they hang around. They decide to see what's what. And perhaps what's influenced their decision was when Vadani's declared that he was going off to seek the advice of a monk with powers to see the future. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'd like to think at least one of them said. Here we go. But not again. <laughs> now, obviously, we don't know how much of this is true. Probably none. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he went off to seek the advice of a monk. If you're desperate, though, you do silly yeah. things, don't you? And sometimes. people believed all sorts back then. People believe all sorts now. That's true. So, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe this is largely true. Maybe it's completely fabricated. We're going to say it happened, yeah. as reported, because it's just a better story that That's way. That's a
0: very good point, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Now, as we've covered slightly before, Badani's was determined to have a go for the throne. And according to our new source... That's right, our new source. John Skylitzes. Good name. Good name. Badani's was, and I quote, trembling with fear that the outcome may not work out for him. If it doesn't work out, I'm sure he'll be fine. So, he seeks out this monk, who was relatively nearby, Hmm. and uh, he decides to take young Leo with him, along with Michael and Thomas. Come on, guys. Yeah. Leo, by the way, at this point is described, and here's another example of some details... As a good looking and fine figure of a man with sound political judgment. Nice. Yes. And by another source, that's right, like more than one, <gasps> yeah, as having a certain wit in conversation. <laughs> that's what she said. Harry <laughs> response to everything. Just ooh jokes. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Those are dodgy 70s innuendo. Doesn't matter what people say, just I'd like to your. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go and visit the monk? I'd like to visit your monk. <laughs> Do you want me to pick up my sword? I'd like to pick up yours. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like that non-stop. Yeah. He was laugh a minute, <laughs> But still, apparently quite young and charismatic was Leo.
0: Did it, the twinkling of his eye and his smirk.
1: So they approached the dwelling of this monk. Now, if you remember, we theorised that this monk was actually a stylite Yes, and uh, he had uh, a—it's quite a rich one—and had quite a large villa on top of a pole. Yeah, balcony sort of thing. Yeah, I I hate to say this. Skylitzes makes it clear that the monk is living in a cave on top of a pole. On top of a pole, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) Bodani's enters the cave after climbing up to it. Would like to enter your (laughs) kitchen.
0: Shut up! Shut up! (laughs) Shut (laughs) up!
1: And. He leaves the three young officers outside with the rest of the men, because obviously it's a large contingent yeah. with them. Time passes, the wind whistles, people pour sand out their, their sandals. Yeah. That's why they called sandals. Yeah, they, they discussed whether sandals were called, that uh, mm. for a good 20 minutes While Spadanius was in the cave up a pole. Passes the time, so. Yeah, do you think there's a villa in the cave up the pole? Oh, yeah, it's so like yeah,
0: garden, definitely. water feature, you name it. He's yeah. <laughs> doing very well out of this, this business.
1: After a while, the general comes out, shimmies down, <laughs> looking very grim. Oh, He ordered that his horse be brought forward. The three young men gathered their general's horse and helped the old man up. I mean, it was part of their job. So,
0: but, how did it go,
1: sir? But he just slits his own throat. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> but then, he doesn't slit his own throat, to know, Good. Because Leo, Michael and Thomas spot the old monk at his window. Yes, at his window. Also a quote from John Stylitzes, which is a little bit weird. Well, I'd our point. Because he's already said he lives in a cave, so he must live in a villa in a cave. Yeah. Or Paul Yeah. yeah. He summoned them all back in. <whistles> As we've covered before, they all go back inside, but this time I will quote, In they went. And the monk went into more detail. Commander... Yet again, I advise and counsel you in no way whatsoever to have anything more to do with what you have in mind. Otherwise, make no mistake about it. It will cost you the crippling of your eyes and the confiscation of your goods. But of the three men who brought up your horse, the one who gave you a leg up when you were about to mount, he will be the first in possession of the throne. I'd like to give you a leg up. <laughs> Not now, Leo. And secondly, the
0: one who held the bridle. There's something holding Leo back, (laughs) um, hand
1: over mouth. (laughs) 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 Will also possess the throne. As for the third man, the one who held the stirrup for your right foot. Thomas, really keen. Yeah. Yeah, he will be proclaimed emperor. Huge pause. Like Thomas is literally cracking out the champagne. Oh. Handing it round. Yeah. Calling his mum. Yeah. <laughs> mom. did not have phones back then. <laughs>
0: mom, Mother!
1: Oh, she can't hear me. She's 300 miles away. <laughs> Big pause. Very awkward at this point. <laughs> Michael's still got his hand over Thomas's mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd like to call your monk No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Eventually the monk who's probably he's he's nibbling on a sandwich. That's yeah. why he's not finished his sentence yeah. continues but never rain. Furthermore, he will lose his life by the most pitiful death
0: ah! <laughs> Mom! (laughs) Bad news! (laughs) Image of a horse just nibbing the grass, just
1: looking a bit confused. Cuts to a field of sheep. All of them look up at the same time. It's here. Ah, Flock of birds up the tree. (laughs) Apparently, Apparently, Badani saw this as proof that the monk didn't know what he was talking about and left. Okay. Resolved to revolt against Nikephros anyway. However, the prophecy apparently unnerved the three young men, and soon Leo and Michael decided that Badani's was destined to fail after all. Yeah. Perhaps we should abandon him. We can certainly make him fail. Thomas decided the prophecy was foolish. There's no way I'm losing my life. Yeah. Okay. So he stuck with his commander. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Now, of course, all this is highly unlikely to have happened. What we do know is that Leo and Michael were with Badani's when he began his uprising, and at some point they defect to Nightcare for us. Fair enough. Yeah, but that story's far more entertaining, so uh, we're going to stick with that. Hmm. Uh, As we've seen, Badani's rebellion was indeed put down, nice and quickly. Uh, He was monked and then had his eyes removed after he'd been taken to an island somewhere. Oh, an island. That's a bit thoughtless, isn't it? Yeah, too soon. Rubbing it in Too soon. You're on an island now. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> aye, aye. Stop it. Leo and Michael, however, were apparently richly rewarded by Nightcare for us. Now, we'll cover Michael next time, obviously, but as for Leo... He was put in charge of the Federati regiments, which I'm butchering the pronunciation there, uh, but this was currently an elite force of client king troops stationed in Anatolia. So, king in another area, you're one of their troops? They were men given to the empire by client kings. Oh, okay. Like, their best troops as yeah. a, oh. a way to say, yes, we are your client king. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so they were just a crack team. Okay. Or black. Yeah, all of them really buff. Yeah. They all knew how to do explosives and all sorts. Basically the Navy SEALs. Oh, yeah. All of them then retire and find themselves in action films. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, he's in charge of them. Uh, things then become a little bit murky in Leo's story for a while. Theophanes Continuatus, who is another one of our sources, we don't know who this person is, but he continues Theophanes, so he's called Theophanes Continuatus. That's fantastic. Yeah. He goes into some detail, but modern historians think Theophanes Continuatus was uh, looking at the wrong Leo at this point. <laughs> right. So this might not be him. <laughs> Leo two. That's the main indication. Potentially, he spent some time fighting raids from the Caliphate and did quite well. Hmm. However, one Hmm. day after receiving orders from Nikephoros to distribute the soldiers' pay in a certain way, Leo, who was apparently living the life of luxury, didn't bother to do so. Okay. We don't really have details, but he he messed up the pay, basically. (laughs) We don't do that with the army. Oh, yeah, you really don't. The soldiers... ...became restless because of this, and because of that they were unprepared... ...and the Caliphate got the better of them, they suffered a defeat. Leo was then punished by Nikephoros, but not severely enough, according to Continuatus. But like I say, that might not be him. What we do know happens in this time is that he marries a woman named Theodosia. Shortly afterwards, Theodosia's father was found to be plotting against Nikephoros. Oh no. Yeah, and Leo was banished... His name being associated with the plot against the Emperor. That's a shame. Yeah. In fact, now two plots against the Emperor he's now kind of been involved in.
0: Yeah. Remember the days when someone would rebel and they, like, okay, you're an Emperor and you're leading an army. You're fighting against rebellion. You put that rebellion down. But before you put that rebellion down, some of the other people that are rebelling, rebel against the rebellers and come to your side. Mm. And in the old days, the Emperor would kill those rebellers that turncoat it because, you know, I can't trust you anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, that did used to happen a fair bit. Mm. Happier times. More simple times. More simple times. I think Leo's proving he's
0: not very trustworthy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll see how that continues, shall we? Okay. A couple of decades go by, we don't really know what's going on with him, apart from the fact that he's banished. Okay. Then Nykathros goes off and gets killed by Crum. remember? Crum. Yes. And then his son Stauracius dies shortly afterwards. Mm. Yeah, and then the new emperor Nikephoros's son-in-law Michael I becomes emperor, <laughs> and he recalls Leo from exile. Leo. The two men probably knew each other, uh, but this is speculation. But they must have done. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Michael I's feud with Stauracius had an impact on who he was recalling from exile. Yeah. So, um, who knows, something happens, Leo's back in the fold. Not just back in the fold, he is made governor of the Anatolic theme, one of the biggest and most powerful themes, mm. uh, where apparently he renews his friendship with Michael II. That's good. Yeah, they meet up again. Leo becomes godfather to Michael II's son, Theophilos. Might want to make a note of him. Theophilos. Theophilos, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, okay. Theo, and then P H like I L O S. That's exactly as That's pretty good. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, that's good. <laughs> Quite Greek. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they're having a good time, parting, celebrating, ruling Anatolia. It's all good. That's modern-day Turkey. Yes, it's a theme within modern-day Turkey. Sort of in the centre of it. Again, Leo was back involved fighting back raids from the Caliphate. Again, he seems to be doing a good job here, but we have few details. Being in the East, he wasn't really involved to begin with, with the fighting against Krum in the West. Krum. But soon enough, the Emperor sent word. Leo was to take all his forces and move West. It's time... To take out Crom. Now, last time we saw this battle, but it was a while ago for you, so I'll forgive you if you're uh, hazy on the details. here. I'm getting mixed up with
0: something else. I'm thinking of the time where somebody goes up a big hill. Oh, that was Nikephoros, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, you're thinking of Crom um, ambushing Nikephoros yeah. and killing him. Yeah. No, this is the next battle with Krom. Retreat. There are a lot of the army retreat ah, for yes. no good reason. There you go. So let's see what's going on, shall we? Cowards traitors to the armies what they are <laughs> that's what's going on, Rob. Well well, uh, we'll see. Michael I was reluctantly facing Crom in a pitch battle. The Romans seemed to be winning, but then the right flank, which was led by Leo, collapses suddenly under no pressure whatsoever. Michael I was forced to retreat from an infused Bulgar force, and then Leo claimed he had no idea what happened. Uh, it just they just collapsed. Michael then rushed back to the capital and decided that being emperor was just no fun anymore and abdicated. Okay. So that's what we covered last time. But what happened here? So let's go into a couple of options. Option number one. This is called Loyal Leo. What Michael once saw last episode was essentially what happened. Yeah. Battles are very messy. And even when you're doing well, battles can turn. Leo was put on the right flank. And he was doing a good job, but then a couple of men... On the right, yeah. lost their nerve. They yeah. turned. They ran. Perhaps they were screaming really loud and had their hands above their. Ah! Yeah, yeah. A couple of people see them fleeing and go, "Oh, panic that's, spreads." It's a bit scary. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should get out of here. And these these pebbles led to an avalanche, and soon enough, men were fleeing in droves. Leo doing his best on his horse. Yeah shouting, Damn you men! Turn and fight! It's only a troll! (laughs) Yeah, things like that. He's doing his best, but he was but one man, and he couldn't stem the tide. So he retreats to Adrianople and meets the Emperor there, finds out that indeed the battle was lost, and he goes and tells the Emperor that he would do his very best to pull the troops back together. However... He saw that Michael I had lost his nerve. He's mm. there, he's shaking, weeping yeah. slightly, covered in sweat. Yeah. Yeah. The Emperor just kept talking about fleeing, running away. And once Michael I had indeed fled for the capital, Leo rallied the forces that had fled the battlefield. By this time, news reached them. The Emperor was abdicating and saying that Leo should lead the Empire. Leo, reluctant, of course. Who? Me. But agreed to do so. For the good of Rome. Like to lead your empire.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, so that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. Oh. Excellent. (laughs) So there you go. That's option number one. Okay. So genuine collapse
1: just happened to be emperor. Yeah. I'm sure that's why. (laughs) Option number two, coup mastermind Leo. And this is the one the sources go for, by the way. Yeah. Most of which are very hostile to Leo. So, Michael I was reluctant to face Crom in open battle. After all, Crom had proven himself to be more than a match for the Roman Empire. Right. He's already killed two Roman emperors. Yeah. Leo, seeing this, sought to use the emperor's reluctance to his own benefit. Saw the weakness. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he sort of wanders around the camp a bit, occasionally stopping and chatting to some of the men. Oh, you're so brave. Knowing that tomorrow you're going to be so dead. Yeah. <laughs> What he was saying to the troops was, Michael One is is weak. You're brave men. You all want to attack. Of course we can beat the bullcars. Why is Michael One not ordering the attack? Sowing seeds of division. The men were grumbling the same thing. And soon enough, this grumble had uh, simmered for quite some time. Then, Leo went to the Emperor himself and spent his time convincing the Emperor that they should definitely attack. And I quote here... We must go to them, O Emperor, emboldened and urged on to battle by your trust and your prayer. So only you can lead us. Yeah. Come on, we need to attack now. By this point, the troops had had enough, and also threatened to rebel if they did not attack you remember from Michael's episode yeah. they just said look we're attacking now yeah. you're either leading us or we'll kill you okay <laughs> yeah so the battle lines were drawn and the fighting started and then at the agreed signal hmm. i'm not sure what the signal was maybe leo pulled on his earlobe or coo <laughs> <laughs> shouted coup. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> whatever the signal was leo's troops all suddenly turn and flee the battlefield the Bulgars and the rest of the Roman troops hesitate what on earth's going on? Hmm. the bulgars expected a trap so stayed still for a while but eventually realized that no they, they're really going brilliant so they attacked and defeated the remaining Romans then back in Adrianople Leo sought out the Emperor and informed him that his troops had disobeyed orders perhaps he suggested Michael return to the capital just in case there was a plot against him.
0: You never know who might be trying to plot against you <laughs>
1: Like to plot. No. (laughs) Michael, too. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up! So Michael I turns, and indeed returns to the capital. With the Emperor gone, Leo was then able to use the anti-Michael I feeling that he had fostered to get the troops to support him going for the throne. Hmm. He spoke to the troops, exclaiming, and I quote, It is not right that a lion should be led by a deer who has taken flight to his wife, leaving the army as prey to the enemy. Oh... Quite rightly pointing out, look, your emperor's left you. He's just gone back to the capital. He's left us all here to fend for ourselves. Why should we follow him? Just
0: leaving out the important
1: fact that he told him to (laughs) go. Well, we don't actually know that. Yeah. What we need to do is now decide which one of those stories seems more likely, or is it a combination of the two? See, a combination of the two wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, you see, that's what I'm going for. Because you get you get the the idea of Crumb being unbeatable. So you, your army's gonna be nervous anyway. He wouldn't have taken much them to move. You know, Leo could have shouted, "Mice!
1: They're everywhere!" You know, and the yeah. army
0: would have probably backed away, but then took advantage of that situation and thought, well, "Actually, I could do a better job than Michael."
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I feel. I I think he lost control of the right flank, mm. but then saw that Michael had just lost it completely. Someone has yeah. to lead these troops, so I think. He then decides to go against his emperor. I, I can do this. Yeah. You'll be interested to know some modern historians speculate that the coup reported by the sources does not go far enough, and that Leo was actually in correspondence with Crum, and it was all planned. Wow. But I just think that's a bit far-fetched and ridiculous, to no, be honest.
0: No, that'd be damaging your army for the future. Yeah. That doesn't really make sense. It really doesn't.
1: No. And okay... Leo has been... His name's been manded around with two coups so far. (laughs) Uh, But...
0: What's the third? I
1: don't know. I just... I I can believe that he'd stage a coup, but... Really, at this time, Mm. siding with Krom, who's recently just killed two emperors. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see it. Yeah. So, we are going for that, then? Yeah. The battle was lost without a coup in mind, but Leo takes advantage of. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. Okay. Now, another story appears shortly after this. Leo's still in Adrianople. Michael has gone back to Constantinople, and Leo is contemplating on whether to claim himself as emperor. Okay. Or declare, I should say, himself as emperor. And it was none other than his friend Michael II who convinced him to do it. In fact... He apparently told Leo that he would strike him down there and then if Leo did not declare himself emperor. So it's Michael's fault. Well, it's a it's an odd statement that that Michael's threatening to kill Leo, unless Leo declares himself Emperor. Now, it's either Leo having second thoughts and just being pushed by his friend, and a kind of, Mm. come on, you've got to do it, look, I'll kill you myself if you don't do it. Come on, Leo, this is the plan. Or, more likely, this is a display created by the two of them for the benefit of the troops. So it doesn't look too much like a coup. Yeah, a A reluctant Leo, who didn't want to usurp, but someone needs to take reign of the Empire. (laughs) But you're so
0: amazing, Leo, and so such a brilliant general, you've made us control of half the army. <laughs>
1: Just, you'd be brilliant at the job. Yeah. Nudge, nudge. But no, no, I will not do it. I won't do you it. You'll
0: need to. Yeah.
1: I will yeah. kill you if you don't. Well, fine, I'll do it then. I don't want to die. Yeah, so there you go. Now, sources differ slightly on Michael One's reaction to Leo declaring himself as emperor. Some say he was angry. A couple of sources report that his wife was even more angry, Uh, but as we've seen, regardless of how he felt, Michael, I abdicates and left the city open for Leo. Yeah. So, Leo and Michael, II, best buddies, arrive in Constantinople and were met by the Senate and other leaders of the city. Leo was draped in a purple cloak and proclaimed emperor and immediately headed for the palace. Now, everything was, as you can imagine, still a little bit hectic. I mean, what's going on? Where's the emperor? Who's this new guy? So people are running around a bit. Yeah. Around. <laughs> yeah. Calm down, Jeff. You, you've got Leo striding into the palace yeah. with this massive purple cloak on as a symbol, but he's now emperor. Michael, II's just behind him, a couple of steps behind him. He's looking around like mm. everything's going on. It's yeah. a busy day. He's not looking at the floor. Oh. Because what happens then is he accidentally steps on the hem of Leo's new cloak. Michael does. Michael does. Michael too. Michael too steps on Leo's cloak. Leo almost falls over. There's this huge tearing sound and the cloak is almost entirely torn off him. Oh, see, these they would have taken that very symbolically, wouldn't they? They really do, yes. Rather than... Oh, I'm so
0: sorry. Oh, it's okay, Michael. I've, I, It was an honest mistake. These things happen. I understand that.
1: These things happen. Yeah, happened to me the other week. Yeah. Barely a Tuesday goes by when I don't usurp the emperor, put a cloak on to symbolise this fact, and someone accidentally steps on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Relax. Yeah, our sources tell us that Leo took this as a bad omen. Mm. But who knows? Well, he's been told that Michael's the next emperor, so... There's also that. Mm. Oh, yes. Anyway, Leo's first job was Michael I. Not Michael II. The ex-Emperor. Where was he? And what was he up to? After hearing that Michael I had monked himself, Leo decides actually ripping someone away from God would be a bad luck for the start of my emperorship. Yeah, don't rip all of them away. Just his eyes. <laughs> well, no. No, he says fine. You, you go for it. You be a monk. That's absolutely fine. However. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I am going to chop the balls off all your sons. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Excuse me. <laughs> Just to be sure. Just three sons sign out. <laughs> uh, uh. That's not
1: what. <laughs> can, can I keep one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, just to make sure. Now, OK, that's a bit mean, but... You can see to, why. To Leo's credit here, he doesn't massacre them all. No? And the family, largely, go on to live in peace. No future generation, but... No, one of the boys bleeds to death. Uh, yeah. Uh, but apart from that... <laughs> <laughs> see, yeah. what do they do with the, the whole unit crushing thing? No! They're grown at this point. These are not
0: small boys. But they wouldn't bleed to death. What uh, do they do with sheep, like a rubber band?
1: Oh, Right, Rob. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he sorted out the ex-emperor and his sons. Now, by this point, a bigger problem had caught up with them. Can you think what it might be? Crum. Crum. <laughs> yes, because Crom hasn't disappeared. Crum's hot on their heels. This is where that the, the famous phrase, you know, when the bad's happening, you're ah, Crom. Oh, crumbs. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, because Leo's just sorted out the ex-emperor, and he's feeling pretty good about himself. And Roger bursts into the room burst into the room that's Roger professionally strides into the room slight cough (coughs) letters are oh crumbs (laughs) yeah fresh after defeating the Romans yet again Crumb had decided it was time to take the capital yeah yeah Roger doesn't hand a letter he just points at a window Leo looks out and there is the entire Bulgar army camped outside the walls of Constantinople that was fast and really, ten minutes? <laughs> the city was terrified, as you can imagine. Now, yes, the city's been sieged before, but now sat right outside their gates was a man who had killed two of their emperors and defeated a third in battle, who was just abdicated because of it. Jeff just saying, "Oh, I hate to be the next emperor," <laughs> nudging Lee at the time. <laughs> imagine that, eh? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's not great. I'm sure the previous sieges must have been terrifying. Mm. Uh, but you get the feeling this one maybe has a certain finality to it. Yeah, there's a certain air that's probably not been felt since Attila the Hun was descending on the city. Yeah. An air of inevitability. Yeah, how can we defeat Prom? We can't stop him. However, Prom's reputation might may- might have been sky high, but there's something very reassuringly solid about those walls. <laughs> yeah. They were good walls. They were great walls. Oh, yes. And all the trenches and stuff beforehand. Oh yeah, yeah, walls yeah. It was... It's been a long time since we did that episode mm. where we, uh, we took a journey to try and invade And I died walls. like six times. Yeah, but um, they're still just as good, Don't if I? not better. Yeah. yeah and, um, they have spikes. <laughs> <laughs> great for climbing. They've now got banners across the top, which they unfurl to just reveal insults in, in Bulgarian. And also rated outstanding by Ofsted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, These good, walls. yeah. Damn good walls. Eighth year in a row. <laughs> yes. Crumb, after a few days, kind of realised that we, we can't take this. No. We're not prepared to do this. <laughs> General walks up, so he's you ever seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> All we need is some giant elephants. <laughs> I, I could run up that little waterhole with a bomb. <laughs> so things are looking fairly good. Well, I mean, they're being besieged. It's not good, but they're not taking the city, and Leo's starting to wonder what to do. And then he receives word, Crom would retreat. Oh, if oh, Crom were permitted to place his lance in the golden gates in a sign of victory. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that isn't it? It's like tell you what, if you say we've won, <laughs> we'll leave. <laughs> but again, from the Roman side, that's a double edged sword as well, because it's like.
0: Well, that would solve a lot of problems, but then we're admitting he's won. And he hasn't really. Well, yeah, exactly. Has he? Exactly. So, a general, has he really won? I don't... I don't think he's won. I don't understand.
1: Yeah. Oh, and a huge pile of gold and and some women as well, apparently. I'll give you the gold and the women, but keep your spear tucked in your, your yeah. armor like to put my spear in your gates. No, sire. That oh. was really not the time. Anyway, Leo, Leo ponders this. And in the end, arranges a meeting with the Bulgar king to discuss the terms. That's positive. Yeah. Okay. I think we can do this, says Leo. A meeting place is set up in the northernmost part of the walls. Leo was to arrive via the Golden Horn. The Golden Horn is the waterway to the north of the city. Right. So he's going to arrive via boat, and Crumb's going to arrive via land. Right. They'll meet in a prearranged place, no weapons just a handful of men each. Okay. Let's talk this mano mano. Mano o mano. Mano o mano. Mano a man. Mano o man. There was translation difficulties. Yeah. <laughs> you can just tell as well that you know say oh we'll take 3 3 men each with us. Biggest strongest men you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who went with them. Ooh. Leo took an official named Hexabulos. Hexa Hexa, hexa Hexabulos, Hexabulos, Hexabulos—good name. Yeah, um, and and a couple of other people, but they—we <laughs> know exactly who they talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, I've got two names. Oh, okay, this fair is, this is oh. good. Yeah, for this time, right? Crom and his brother-in-law, a Greek man named Constantine, Ooh. who was acting as a translator, mm. also arrived shortly afterwards. So there's perhaps ten, twelve men there. Okay, that's about it. Talks begin. Constantine acting as the translator, getting really stuck on the manoa of manner. <laughs> yeah, halfway through the talks, however, Hexabulos suddenly covered his face with his hands. Yeah, just like that. Right, bit weird. Thought Crom. Actually, that's a lot weird. Thought Crom. Mm. Actually, that could well be a signal. I'm out of here. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Crom uh, jumps up onto a horse and legs it. Or at least the horse legs it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, there was a, a, an escape horse, primed ready for him just in case. Fair enough. So he, he was up on that horse in seconds. Sure enough, it was a signal, because armed men came rushing out of their hiding places. Three of the men with Crom were captured or killed, but Crom was able to just about get away despite being hit by an arrow. Wow. Yeah. Leo, furious, retreated back to the city. His plan had failed. Need a way more subtle signal, though. Can't... He needed that, that one that Leo used on the battlefield. Yeah. Come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kill Crumb! Now! Quick! Well, he's not expecting it. Or well, maybe Hexabulos had already done the subtle signal like six or seven yeah. times. Yeah. Just scratched his nose slightly, and the hands in his face would just despair that no one had seen the signal. A gentle coffee after. Now, now, oh! <laughs> he just puts his head yeah. in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Leo was upset that his plan hadn't worked, but as you can imagine, Crum was even more furious and he began to systematically burn down everything that was outside the city walls. Mm. As you can imagine, the city has grown. Yeah. And there's now quite a bit outside the walls. Little hamlets and things. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, An imperial palace, in fact lay outside the walls at this time. It wasn't just small little huts, there was um, some impressive architecture, mm. uh, important ch- churches, real important parts of the city now outside the walls. Well, that's ridiculous. Poor planning, that's yeah. what that is.
0: But, but, yeah. but you
1: can see why, because the city,
0: if you've got big big walls you invested a lot in, you can't just expand them. Yeah. Unless you've got wall pullers.
1: The goats are holding up the hydrosphere, so... Exactly. You don't want to take the goats no. away to move the walls. Oh. Because that dome will just instantly just... Yeah. Anyway, after lots of burning and uh, pillaging, Crum then lifted the siege, but went on a tour of revenge around the area, burning all he found to the ground, enslaving or killing everyone he found. He then went to Adrianople, that was currently being sieged by Crumb's brother. Uh, They were putting up a good fight. But then Crum turned up with his army, and uh, the city was taken... At least 10,000 were killed or carried across the Danube. Possibly 50,000, depending on the source. Gosh. Yeah. Large-scale massacres. Not good. He's not happy bunny, is he? He's not happy at all. Leo, by this time, however, has got himself organised. He went back and he planned and he schemed. He promoted his friend Michael to lead the troops. And also Thomas, he's back on the scene. He got a, a general ship as well. Oh, Yeah, so three of them back together, kicking bottom. Leo gets his army together and sets off, telling all of that he will take down the Borgal army. Soon enough... He meets a Bulgar army, but not the main one with Krum. This is a sizeable force, but it's not Krum's main army. Damn it. The Roman and the Bulgar forces camped near each other uh, for a number of days, but the battle was not forthcoming. There's a couple of kind of all oh, shall we, shan't we moments. Yeah. But no battle. And then, one morning, dawn broke. Picture the Roman camp. You know how the emperor's tent would be like in the middle? Mm. Big fancy tent. Yeah, yeah. It's not there. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty much what all the soldiers said. Where's he gone? Yeah. Confusion set in, to begin with. What? (laughs) What on earth is going on? And then despair. Their emperor had fled. Really? Yeah. That's a bit weird. Morale in the Roman camp just plummets. He's emperor because he said that's bad when Michael I did it. Yeah. What? Word soon leaks to the Borgar camp. These camps are near each other, and obviously... Word spreads. Yeah, yeah. People talk, even if they are on opposing sides. The Emperor's gone! <laughs> shh! 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 But he's gone! Yeah. That's Jeff for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff. No! I'll go and tell the guard. Borg- no! <laughs> oh, let him go. You don't. Yeah. Soon, the guards were full of confidence, and they were soon preparing for an attack the very next day. Night falls, and suddenly an alarm rang out. Leo and a sizeable force of men suddenly attack the Bulgar camp, who, in their overconfidence, were not prepared as they usually would be. They weren't expecting an attack, they were expecting to go and slaughter people in the morning. Mm. Now, the camp was a military one, but also a civilian one, and no one was spared. All the men were killed, all the women captured, and, if we can believe one source, Leo ordered that all children found in the camp would have their heads dashed against the rocks. Probably wasn't as nice as it sounds. It doesn't sound nice.
0: Dash just means like a slight graze.
1: No, no, this is uh, death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, it should be noted this story of the night raid on the camp is disputed in other sources, and there are claims that this was just a standard battle. But I like the story that apparently... Leo only told one person in the camp that he was going to take a detachment of people, nice. leave for twenty-four hours to cause confusion, and then attack the Bulgars when they were unawares. Good strategy. Yeah. Um, whether that really happened or not, who knows? But
0: maybe he only told Jeff. Yeah. Yes. Jeff was a plan. He knew all along. That's why he shouted.
1: Or Leo said, "Make sure everyone knows I've not really abandoned you, you guys, because <laughs> that would ruin mon- morale." <laughs> Jeff wakes up. I'm sure there was something Leo said to me last night. <gasps> He's gone! <laughs> 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 who knows? <laughs> what we do know is that Leo scored a great victory here. According to Theophani's continuata, I will quote here, Bulgars who pass the hill still shake their heads and point their fingers, in no way able to forget the woes of that time. Nice. Shaking their fists at that hell they do. Uh, Crom was outraged and decided that it was time to bring an end to the Roman Empire once and for all. Bigger people have tried the new Crom
0: and they've all failed, apart from the Caliphate pretty much and... (laughs)
1: it's debatable. But it was a strong state. Yes, so yeah. that's yeah. stick yeah. that. Yeah. Crumb spent the Persians, they did a lot of damage as <laughs> they well. They did do a lot of damage. But no one's gonna absolutely absolutely wipe them out. No. And that's what Crumb wanted to do. So Crumb spent the next year preparing for a siege the likes that Constantinople has never seen before. So prepared for a year.
0: That's the thing, that's like now now like you don't really take into account how long things happen for. Yeah, And the distance between things, like, I guess the pace of the episode, you know, it's, you, you think things happen, like, the next week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, like, a year just to prepare. Oh, yeah, and... this was a long preparation period. Crum wasn't messing about with this one. Siege machines of all types were being built. The best technology that the times could afford were being used. If you remember, there was the, um, that guy from Arabia, or was it Syria? I can't remember. But someone from the East... Uh, that was now working for Crum, who was an expert at siege engines. Crum still had him. Apparently 5,000 iron wagons were built. Tanks? Tanks, yeah. Built to drag these siege machines to take on the might of the Constantinople walls.
0: I've got an image of uh, the Siege of Minas Tirith now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is full on like that. Meanwhile, cut to the uh, the city... Leo's ordering that the walls be repaired in all areas that look weak. Reinforce as much as possible. These are going to be tested this time. He suspected that Crum would attack most in the area that Leo had attempted to ambush him. Mm. So time and effort was really focused there. We we need to really show up the city. He also sent a letter out to the Emperor of the West. Charlemagne! No, because he's just died. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but he's got a son. Charlemagne! No, Louis. Louis. Yes, uh, Louis the Pious. Apparently, he asked Louis for aid. Louis, however, was dealing with problems of his own, as quite often happens when you are suddenly ruling an empire, and your dad was incredibly successful. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, we'll find about him in series three, Rob.
1: Hey, right? Possibly, possibly, possibly. Not confirming or denying. No. Who knows? Would it be our second episode, though. If
0: we were to do. It. If we were. Yeah.
1: Yep. Anyway, um, he he declines to help out. No. <laughs> no. Oh, the accents are gonna be so bad. It's gonna be so good. It will not help you. You and not help us. Anyway, in April of eight fourteen, Crumb's forces were ready, a huge army, fully prepared to raise Constantinople to the ground, set off to fight the might of the Roman army and their indestructible walls. That's twelve hundred and five years ago, this month. Yeah, (laughs) it's a long time ago. Close-up of Leo in his palace, going over the reports for the defence of the walls. Right. Cut to a close-up of Crom inspecting his troops. The music's starting to really rise at this point. Shine your armour. Another close-up of Leo tighter, right on his face this time. He's walking the walls, he's inspecting the repairs.
0: Rubbing his finger on the tops of his dust.
1: Yeah. He's satisfied. Yeah. Close-up of Crumb staring off into the distance with all his siege machines around him.
0: Just the mechanical
1: clank. Yeah. Like, super close-up on Crumb's eyes here. Like, really close-up. You can just see his eyes. Yeah. Yeah? Just staring, yeah? Yeah. Then slowly pull out a little bit. A little mm. bit. Start to see his face. He's looking really grim. Yeah. And then then you see some blood start to come out of his nose. Oh. Yeah. His hand reaches to his nose, he sort of checks it, he looks a bit confused, and then he starts to shake. And then a full-on seizure hits him, and then he dies with blood coming out of his ears, eyes and nose. Crumb's dead on the eve of the siege. Some sort of brain hemorrhage have or something? no idea. Gosh. Yeah, just sudden... I mean, death was common back then, happened to almost everyone. Uh, but who knows how he actually died. It's so tempting to say that someone got to him and he was poisoned, because the timing is so convenient. So maybe this was, Leo, an assassination plan that worked out. Maybe he just died. We have no way of telling. Wow. Yeah, but there you go. The Bulgar Empire, that had doubled in size under Crum faced the immediate problem that empires usually do after the loss of an impressive leader, no, just okay. as Louis was finding out. Yeah, Crum's um, son, Umotag. That's a terrible name. Yeah, well, he opened up peace talks with Leo. The Bulgars would get to keep a fair chunk of land that they'd gained off the Romans, but not all of it. And they would return many towns and cities, including Adrianople. Not promising that'll look the same. <laughs> <laughs> it might not look quite the same as you remember. We did we did a bit of refurbishment. I went for a blackened theme. <laughs> yes, think of it as a, a, a doeropper. <laughs> Great for customisation. Yeah. Prisoners were also returned on both sides. The treaty was widely seen as better for the Bulgars and the Romans, but it was also nowhere near as bad as many on the Roman side had feared during mm. the height of Crom. To be honest, yeah, fine, we'll sign it, because after all, we were about to really struggle in that siege. Yeah. So the Romans generally were just quite happy. And with that... Peace descended upon the Empire. The Caliphate, by the way, are busy with internal problems at this point. So they're being quiet. So there you go. No war. Leo can now focus on some good old-fashioned ruling. Yay! One story at this time is that he starts to think about the monk who had made the prophecy in his youth. So he sought out the monk to give him a gift, but discovered the monk had died. They didn't see that coming.
0: (laughs) Hey! Do you think uh, his cave toppled off the pole? Probably,
1: you've got to be careful.
0: He's move, just moving furniture around, which he redecorated a bit too much on one side and
1: crash. Yeah, it's it's just dangerous. Instead, the messenger with the gifts approached the replacement monk because you can't have a cave up a pole with no monk in it. That can be ridiculous. That way, chaos leads. Yeah. So obviously, this monk was replaced straight away. Yeah. As soon as they got the cave back up the pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the messenger, Roger, obviously, uh, approached the monk to tell him that the emperor wanted to give a gift to his predecessor, but here, you you can have the gift. The monk, however, informed the messenger that the emperor was not worthy of the position he held because, why do you think? He'll be dead soon. No, not because of that. Because he cheated
0: to get there. Nope. He's going to die soon. No, i <laughs> said that, haven't I? Uh, Dunno.
1: Because he is addicted to idols. Um. Oh yes, that's right. Iconoclasm's back.
0: Yay
1: <laughs> Yeah. The the story continues that Leo, upon hearing this, sought advice of, of those in his council. One man, a man named Theodotus, a mid ranking official, told the Emperor that a different monk, this is yet another monk, that he knew of could do amazing things. And I'll quote this matter must be entrusted to him Theodotus told Leo. Yeah. However, unknown to Leo, Theodotus was a secret iconoclast himself. Um. And Theodotus rushed to the monk he had mentioned to Leo, sat down with him, and said thus. Tomorrow night, the emperor will come to you in ordinary clothing and ask about the faith and other pressing matters. For your part... You are to threaten him with the imminent loss of his life and the fall from the throne, unless he choose from his own free will to embrace the dogma of Leo III and cast out all idols. The next day, sure off Theodote and Leo, dressed as a commoner, appeared in the monk's cave. They all live in caves. The monk apparently acted as if... The Divine was sending him a message, so he did all the the show. Twitchy, writhing around the floor thing. Yeah. And then said, and again I quote, What you are doing is not sensible, O Emperor, deceiving us with private citizen clothing. Do what you will. The Divine Spirit will not let us be deceived. Apparently Leo was amazed by this. Oh, you figured out I was the Emperor. You must know what you're talking about. The monk just taking out a few coins from his pocket. Yes, I have no idea. I <laughs> yes. Just looking out the entrance of the cave, and there is just two soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, have... Purple banner. Yeah. <laughs> Chariot, yeah. Anyway, sure enough, Leo was told he must follow the ways of iconoclasm or suffer his own downfall. Ooh. Now, again, all of this most likely made up Uh, But something did happen to convince Leo, who up to this point hasn't really shown much interest in religion, to suddenly bring up the whole iconoclasm thing again. So, why? Why is he doing this? Pressure from the church. A sect of the church. No, well, possibly partly that, but most likely it was just a sensible political move. As we saw Mm. last episode, people were starting to blame Rome's losses recently on the fact that iconoclasm has been overturned. If you remember, they um, did a raid on Constantine V's tomb and asked him to come back and save them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Iconoclasm (laughs) is starting to bubble under the surface, and Leo's very aware of this. In particular, the soldiers from the east of the empire, the one that Leo has been in command of the longest, were predominantly iconoclasts, and they were not happy with the way the religion was structured at this time. Right. Leo, seeing that his hold on the throne was hardly secure, and realising he needed the army on his side, probably was just trying to keep the armed forces happy. So, he sets up a secret council of five men. A bishop, two monks, and two laymen. Sounds like a joke, but it's not. <laughs> Walk into a bar. <laughs> well, no, they, they kind of locked themselves away in the, the library, and just worked on stuff for a few months' rules. <laughs> Rules, dogma, scripture, that kind of stuff. They were ordered to look into how iconoclasm could be reintroduced into a city that did not want it. It's bubbling under the surface, but the majority of Constantinople would not want iconoclasm. The army do, the city doesn't. A bit but, like Brexit. <laughs> yeah, no, it is actually quite quite similar, different mm. regions wanting certain things. It's it's your extremes you don't need to worry about, it. it's the people that are undecided. Get a bus. <laughs> yes. Leo wrote a bunch of lies on a bus and yeah. just started driving around. It was great. Um, <laughs> no, Leo realising that if he just tried to push Iconoclasm yeah. like had happened before, there would be literally riots in the streets. And yeah. who knows how that would end. So he's got this secret council working out on a way of being a bit more subtle. Hmm. They worked on a few ideas for a few months and then submitted their findings to Leo, who immediately acted upon it. First of all, he summoned the Patriarch, who, if you remember, is Patriarch Nikephoros, who we called him, Patriarch Nick, yeah, so yeah. we didn't get him confused. Yeah. So, Nick turns up. Leo suggests to the Patriarch, just to keep the soldiers happy, you understand, I'm sure you wouldn't want the men with the sharp pointy things angry, um, could perhaps we remove the images of Christ from low-hanging positions? Keep, keep them high up, that's fine, hmm. but, I mean... Come on, they shouldn't be, like, ground level. Keep them off eye level, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's keep them high up. Good start. Yeah. Subtle control taking. Nick, seeing this for what it was, the thin end of a wedge, just said no. <laughs> no, I know what you're up to. An argument broke out, and Leo asked the patriarch, but why do you venerate images when there was no scriptorial injunction to do so? Nick responded that the church did a lot of things that there was no scripture for. Which I can't help but feel is a bad argument. <laughs> yeah. We do all sorts. <laughs> we just do what we want, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, the meeting broke up with no one feeling particularly happy. Leo was determined. Now, the biggest icon in the city was the representation of Christ, just outside the palace, which we've come across before. And uh, Nick's doormat, picture of Jesus on the floor. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> There was that as well, yeah. yeah. But yeah, this one that I'm referring to, we've come across before because this is the one that Leo Three had torn down and then Irene put it back up. So we don't actually know what this is. It's referred to. It right. might have been a big statue. It might have been a big mural. It might have been mural you know, would make more sense. That's what yeah, they yeah. did a lot, that, didn't they?
0: Yeah. But that also implies that it was torn down. It was saved.
1: Yeah, but
0: or reproduced.
1: Yeah, removed All right. perhaps roughly removed leo was determined to take it down again it would be a huge sign to his supporters in the army that he was doing something about iconoclasm uh, the the big depiction of jesus the biggest one in the city is down yeah but as we've seen before and it, this happened last time riots broke out mm-hmm. so leo has a bit of a think how's he going to remove that image without riots breaking out if it was subject to some sort of accident. <laughs> oh, no. Some sort of fire. Earthquake.
0: <laughs> That'd be tricky to do. Well. <laughs> you just heal your soul of you just start moving and you pretend they're shaking. Oh, there's an earthquake going on. While some guy's up there and hooking it
1: and it falls and shatters. You're not a million miles away. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not right, obviously, because uh, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, but it's not a million miles away. One morning, a group of men started shouting at this depiction of Jesus. Yeah. And then they started throwing mud and stones
0: at it. See, I in mean, two minds about that, haven't you? Kind of like, we, need, we want it to take it down because it's offensive.
1: However, throwing mud and stones at it is also just as offensive. Well, as you can imagine, a crowd nearby became angered at this. Oh, well, yeah. And soon a crowd had formed, threatening it was to become a mob. Ooh. Yeah. And suddenly... None other than the Emperor appeared with some soldiers. Oh, where did you come from, Ossiah? He was outraged that these people were being disrespectful to the image of Christ. I am shocked. Yeah, those men who suspiciously have disappeared right now, but let's not worry about that. They were (laughs) awful for doing such a thing, and everyone cheers. In fact, Leo was so worried oh. about such a vital icon of the city being destroyed by fanatics. In fact, he was going to do something about it right now. He would protect this image of Christ by taking it to a safe place. Out of the way. Don't worry, I'll replace it with a cross that I happen to have with me right now. And so, this depiction of Christ, the biggest in the city, was removed once again. That is fantastic. And this time without any riots. That is fantastic. Yeah, clever. That's very cleverly done. Patriarch Nick, however, was not born yesterday. (laughs) And he saw through all of this and he summoned a meeting of bishops to warn them, game's on. Iconoclasm's coming back, guys. We need to fight this. So Nick heads to the palace with all the leading men of the church behind him. Some of them perhaps looking a little bit nervous. A heated meeting took place and Leo ordered that Nick be put under house arrest. Was Gilbert there by any chance? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Gilbert was attaching the electronic tag on on Nick's ankle while setting up his his gong. Oh, dear. Yeah. (laughs) The more stupid things you say,
0: the more I'm going to hit this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nick was was getting on in years anyway, and uh, soon illness took him, and he died conveniently under house arrest. Yeah, we heard that. Maybe he had a nosebleed and a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a, a spate of that at the moment. <laughs> that does, doesn't it? <laughs> Convenient deaths. Gilbert just packing away his gong. Rechewing it before he puts it away. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hear a gong. <laughs> we never did work out whether... His gong caused the death, or he was just following the death, did we? There are some things you just not meant to know. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, Leo, therefore, needs to replace Patriarch Nick. So who's he going to go with? Someone that's a massive iconoclast. Oh, yes. Well, not actually, not quite. Theodotus, the, the guy we mentioned earlier, uh, who is an iconoclast, you're right, but admittedly a mild one. He's not, like, full-on... Not a hardliner. Yeah, burning things whilst cackling, kind of iconoclast. Uh, but... Still, the patriarch is now an iconoclast. Things fall apart in the church. For a while, you get stories of meetings of clergymen that just turn into full-blown fistfights. <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. Just men in their robes, just punching each other. Because one of them's got a picture of Jesus. That's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Soon enough, a synod was put together, and it was announced that icons were no longer a thing. Everyone got their fake moustaches out, popped them back up on the statues. Zeus <laughs> the suit maker was back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> However, to Leo's credit, he was fairly relaxed about this. Icons were once again banned, obviously. There was wholesale destruction of countless artwork. Uh, but, he didn't go around killing people, or at least many people. And the general attitude was, I'm not going to come looking for the icons, Keep the icons out of sight, and it's fine. I won't be coming into your houses to check,
0: but just don't have any in there sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's good.
1: He did punish the more vocal pro-icon voices at the time. Well, you want to put down the revolution, don't you? You don't want to stem it a bit. They were openly writing to the Pope and the Western Emperor asking for aid. You can't really have that as an emperor, can you? I want the Pope to send his army and try and help. Exactly. They've got army of clergy. Uh, they've got the, the Swiss Swiss Guard with their oh, pocket gosh, knives. Yes. So you don't want to <laughs> mess with them. <laughs> is a the spoon? Is it a knife? Is it yeah. a corkscrew? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mess with the Pope. So with this, Leo had managed to put down the bubbling religious unrest by embracing it. Like there was definitely some undercurrents of problems going on, and he mm. just stops it by saying, "Okay, we'll be iconoclasts then." Now, obviously, not everyone's happy with Iconoclasm. Uh, the capital itself isn't particularly happy. Nope. But the troops are. Uh, large portions of the Empire are now happier. Uh, so, yeah, things are going relatively well. There was no longer a threat of some kind kind of imminent religious uprising, which arguably there wasn't, in Michael One. Yeah. However, there was something troubling Leo, and that was his good friend, Michael II. Oh, the, the, the cape stander. The keepstander honour. We have few details, unfortunately, but it would appear that their friendship started to deteriorate as soon as Leo became emperor. As you predicted. At some point over the last couple of years, Michael had been accused of treason. And he was able to clear his name, but Leo was still suspicious of him. And that's all we know about that. But you can understand Leo's position, because they've both been told they're
0: emperor, but Leo's still alive. And he knows that Michael could be next
1: if the prophecy if it, yeah. happened, and the prophecy might have happened I mean, people mm. love their prophecies back then then Fair definitely yeah. if the prophecy didn't happen then Leo is suspicious of Michael anyway because Michael's now been accused of treason yeah. now, he gets off with it he's able to prove his innocence but Leo's not 100% certain about his friend anymore so, he orders a man to go undercover and work his way into Michael's inner circle Jeff, put on his big fake moustache <laughs> off you go Oh, you look like Hesus. It took a while, but eventually Leo's spy, Jeff, came back to report on what his friend had been saying. It was not good. According to Jeff, Michael... He likes pineapple on pizza. <laughs> oh dear. Not good. Not only that, he was also talking about usurping the throne and taking Leo's wife in, I quote, an unholy union. That can mean one of two things.
0: Marrying her while still married to, to Leo were doing things to her. Guessing it was the
1: second. Oh. Yeah. If we can believe the sources, Leo was upset by this, but not, like, enraged. Yeah. So he sent their friend, Hexaboulos, he's back, to go and talk to Michael and have a quiet word with him. Cut it out. Yeah. Like, seriously, we've been friends a long time, so I'm giving you this warning, but I've heard you talking about usurping. For old times' sake, I'm giving you a warning. Stop. There won't be any more. Apparently, though, Hexabulos came back to the Emperor one evening to say Michael's not only not stopped saying such things, but his language was getting even worse. He was saying exactly the same as before, but just throwing the occasional damn in the... Ooh, a damn Emperor, unholy union. Oh, yeah, with the damn Emperor's damn wife. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Phil. Hexabulos had one message for Leo. Your friend needs to be stopped. As you can imagine, Leo, not happy at all, so orders a trial for Michael. One was quickly assembled on Christmas Eve of 8.20. Now, the evidence against Michael apparently was so strong that he was forced to confess to conspiring to commit treason. Maybe he had literally been saying, I'll usurp the throne during the trial. And I'll do things to your wife. The moment your back is turned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was- <laughs> It was a cut-and-dry case. Yeah, that's quite easy. It was. So, Leo, infuriated by this time, ordered that his friend be executed by fire. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Not burnt at a stake, but to be cast into the furnace that warmed the
0: bathhouses. Because when you're burnt at the stake, you pass out from carbon monoxide. It hurts for a bit, then you pass out, then that's it, essentially. You don't feel any more until you're dead. In a furnace, though, you get a shock, I'm guessing... It wouldn't be pleasant. No, it wouldn't be pleasant at all. I'm just no. trying to trying to work out Does, which I prefer. Is it worse? I don't know. More intense pain initially. It would be bad. That's all I know. A heated metal plate. Yeah. Get the person to the floor and just plop on top of them.
1: Ooh, nasty. Mm. Yeah. I could be emperor. You could be emperor. So, Michael is taken from the room. They're all heading for the bathhouses. When all of a sudden, Leo's wife, Theodosia, comes storming out of her rooms. Oh no. Yeah, uh, she's heard what's happened. According to Stylitz's here, she came flying out of her bedchamber in a rage at her husband, and then told her that it would be an offence against God to execute a man in such a way on Christmas Eve. That's a bit odd, this. You get the impression maybe maybe Michael, being a friend of the family, was also friends with Theodosia, and she just didn't want to see her friend killed in this way. Maybe the charges were completely trumped up and Theodosia had had enough of the squabbling between the yeah. two men. Who knows? Or... Or unholy union. Yeah. Who knows? What we do know is that Leo was won over, just about. He announced that Michael would not be executed at that time and instead ordered that leg irons be brought forth. Red hot ones? No, just normal ones. Four. Once Michael was locked up, Leo kept the keys for himself and put them in his pocket so he didn't give them back to the keykeeper. Remember that fact for next week. Okay. Then he gave the prisoner to the Keeper of the Keys. Who is not. No, who's not doing his job at the moment, because Leo has got them. Terrible. But if you remember, I think I've got this right, we already have a Keeper of the Keys. His name is Simon, wasn't it? Yeah, Simon. Yeah, Simon. He lives in a big key box. Yeah, he's he's hooked up on the wall. Yeah. Yeah, well, they've let him down, because... um, The keeper of the keys, at this time, apparently, is the person who kept the keys for the rooms that people were locked in. Oh, he keeps all the keys. He keeps all the keys, exactly. Apart from the one with the leg irons. Because Leo's got them. Anyway, Leo, seeing his ex-friend chained up, then storms off, giving his wife a a final warning that if bad comes of this, then it was all her fault. (laughs) (laughs) On Christmas! Then Leo went to his rooms and just stewed for a bit. If we can believe the sources... He thought of the prophecy that said Michael would rule after him. Hmm. But not only that, of another omen that had recently come to light. Apparently someone had found in the library a book containing colour pictures of past Roman emperors. It also had fragments of the Sibylline books in it. Oh, those books about... Yeah. Yeah. Now, they'd been destroyed long ago hmm. uh, by Stilicho, if I remember correctly. Uh, but the, fragments of it have yeah. survived. In this book was a drawing of a lion and on the lion's spine was an X that went down to its belly. There's also a picture of a man running with a spear about to pierce the lion in the centre of the X. Now, apparently, some Jobsworth had decided that this could only mean the Emperor Leo was going to be killed on Christmas Day. Literally no idea why it means that, but apparently it did. Leo Lion. Leo Lion, I got that bit. The arrow to the guy called Michael Mikey. X means ten. December. Deck means ten. Spear.
0: Crum wanted his spear in the door, didn't he?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No idea, but apparently this meant that Leo was going to die over Christmas, and Leo was a bit bit worried. He just put his tree up as well. I know, it's really sad. On top of this, Leo was said to have had a dream that the ex-patriarch Terausius, if you remember him, he ordered Michael... To deal Leo a death blow. And then Leo woke up. Feeling a bit unnerved. Yeah. So, Leo is unable to sleep. He's having nightmares. He's um, having tales of predictions of his death running through his head. He's he's generally going full on Macbeth here. He's pacing the palace, going slightly insane. In the end, in his torment, he decides to go and talk to his old friend. Now, why he headed to the prison within the palace, we don't fully know. Was he going there to talk to him? Maybe he was going there to kill him again or order the execution. Maybe he was going to just see if the the man had any defense Mm. for what he'd done. We don't fully know. What we do know is that he arrives in the prison area of the palace. Now, I've been saying prison, but don't think dungeons here. This is just a, a secure area of the palace with lockable rooms
0: bit like um, rich Tudor prisons, like, you know, basically apartments.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just places where you can keep people who need to be kept secure, secure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Leo looked around the area for a bit, and then he found what he was looking for, the room with Michael in. However, he was very shocked to see that Michael was fast asleep in a comfortable bed, whereas the keeper of the keys was asleep on the floor. So that's odd, he thought. Why is the keeper of the keys giving Michael the bed? They're treating him really nicely, even though he's committed treason. So he's not happy about that. He
0: sneaks into the room, not wanting to wake anyone up. Do the really exaggerated creep. Yeah. Loads of creaking floorboards.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. He walks right up to where Michael is sleeping. Knocks over the bedside table. clasps <laughs> the floor. Picks it up, looks around. Yeah. No, it's fine. Everyone's still asleep. Standing above his friend, he looks down, angry that he had had a terrible night. Yeah. Thoughts of his impending death running through his head, his treasonous friend turning against him. And here's Michael having a lovely snooze. Jealousy. He's not happy. Somebody does that, though. (laughs) Angered, he starts muttering about making sure that Michael was executed as soon as possible, along with the keeper of the keys, who's asleep on the floor. Simon! I know, Simon. And with that, and apparently with a bit of a shake of the fist, he left the room. But we're not going to leave the room. Let him leave the room and just stay in the room for a bit. Because after, a, I don't know, about 30 seconds, a young boy crawls out from under the bed. And he has heard everything. It's a bit weird. A bit weird. He's a Chamberlain of Michael. He wakes his master up and tells him... The Emperor's just come in and said he's going to execute you as soon as possible. It's weird that he muttered it in such a dramatic, thematic way. Yeah. It was like like
0: things were watching him. It was like cameras there and stuff. (laughs) It's really odd.
1: It's almost as if it's a a story made up after the fact. It's like a Shakespeare play. We'll come back to that scene in the bedroom next episode because obviously this is Leo's episode so we're now going to follow him a bit more. Leo storms back into the main area of the palace. If he gets some sleep that night eventually it's not recorded but the next day he goes about his duties. It's Christmas Day. One of his duties is to sing hymns with the clerks of the palace. We wish you a Merry Christmas We We wish wish you you a Merry Christmas Just like that Uh, It's getting on, we're getting into the evening by this point So it's dark and it's very cold Sherry's out Yeah, it was um, in fact so cold In the palace chapel that night That most were wearing heavy cloaks And velvet pointy hats So everyone's wearing a Christmas hat (laughs) That's clearly what this is Yeah yeah. Now, apparently, Leo had a very loud singing voice, and he also really enjoyed singing.
0: We wish you
1: a merry Christmas. Yeah, he's full on That's going for it. Everyone's going, oh, God, Leo's singing again. A bit awkward. So, anyway, he's letting off some steam. After all, he's just condemned his friend to death. He's using full-on vibrato during this as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It's um, it's been a tense time. He's yeah. having a bit of a sing. Yeah. Suddenly... About halfway through this rousing hymn. And a happy, happy new year. And as that note is held, you see several people in the congregation pull out swords and knives. Leo's still facing forward, just loving holding that note. <laughs> keep keeps going. On. Yeah. The chandelier will start to shake. Behind him, all the people who have drawn their swords... And now walking steadily forwards through the crowd, the crowd start to realise what's going on and run. Leo's still singing. (laughs) Yeah. However, it was the lead clerk who was wearing a very similar hat to Leo. It's like a really big, fluffy over the top with glitter Christmas hat. Obviously, he was the one who was attacked first because they thought he was the emperor because he had the fancy hat on. The lead clerk throws off his hat to reveal a completely bald head. And shouts out something along the lines of "I'm not the emperor." It's at this point that Leo realizes something's up. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. By this point, most had ran out the building, but Leo's blocked from the escape because there's a group of assassins now surrounding him. So he heads in the only direction he can, which is to the front of the chapel, and he grabs the only weapon he can get hold of. Candlestick. Kind of nope. A cross? A large, sturdy cross. Oh! So you've now got the emperor in a Christmas hat holding a big cross at the front of the chapel. The assassins start walking towards him. My God, I wish we rated death. Oh, yes. Leo swinging his (laughs) cross wildly around. (sighs) Did he get a few? (laughs) Well, the fight starts. We have reports of Leo being hit on the head and the arm with a sword, but just superficial wounds. I mean, it's obviously painful, but he's still standing. He's fending them off. Presumably, he manages to land some blows himself, because it sounds like this, this fight goes on for a... Crucify this! <laughs> Waging the head to pull it out. Next one. on
0: face so he can pull the
1: cross out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> From the temple of some poor assassin. Wipe the brain matter away, onto the
1: next one. I'd like to cross your temple. <laughs> Yes! Yes. (laughs) But then, apparently he recognises one of his attackers. Leo, at this point tiring, because this is a heavy cross, and he realises that he's not going to win this. I mean, there's still plenty of assassins around. Falls to his knees and swears an oath to God and begs the man to spare him. The man replied, and I quote, This is not the time for swearing oaths. ...but the time for killing. Oh. Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh. I raised his sword. Now, as far as I can tell, it's a bit, bit murky. I get the impression Leo then rises to meet the blow. With the cross. With the cross. But because he was in a kneeling position isn't fast enough... ...because Leo's entire right arm is severed from his body. The arm and the cross tumble to the floor and both disappear into smoke <laughs> <laughs> leo was probably just about getting his head round the fact that his arm's now five foot away from him that's different <laughs> <laughs> when a second blow strikes his neck and his head is cut clean off his body that is somebody's death is always horrible but it's a cool death that is hands down the best one yeah I can't think of a better one. Oh, it's like an This is how the
0: beginning of Michael Two's film would go. Yes. This scene. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's a bit like the beginning of um. Oh no, it' the beginning is it? Uh, Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Except he doesn't come back.
1: He's even got a cool line. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not the time for swearing. Oh, it's the time to die. <laughs> yeah. He's there fighting with his cross. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> It is amazing,
0: isn't it? And just an angelic glow on him as he's doing it. The cross is shining. Clink,
1: clink. And he's in a Father Christmas hat. It's on Christmas Day. The only thing that would make it better is if you have two crosses, one in on each hand. Clink. Just clink. screaming, come clink. on, you mothers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Crucify this. <laughs> if we were doing our President series, he'd be getting top marks for the silver screen round. He's surely got to get a couple of marks for this in A round. I'm not sure which one. Feisius. Yes. <laughs> right, Should we rate them then?
0: Feisius Maximus.
1: I mean details, Jeremy. We've got some it's details. It's amazing. even though it's all rubbish. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> half of it's probably completely made up. Well, uh, it's the kind of thing where if you
0: were the assassin, you'd be given your version of the event. Yeah. And then, right, what he did, he grabbed
1: the cross, he took out Gerald. Yeah, <laughs> and I said, <laughs> the coolest line ever. <laughs> anyway. Fightius Maximus. Apparently, he did very well against the Caliphate raids in at least two separate occasions, if you remember. Yeah. However, against him, his wing of the army fled against Crum. Now, we've decided that that was him failing to control the army. Many historians say that he did this on purpose. So can we count that against his Fightius Maximus? I wouldn't, because I, I don't know, because it makes it more interesting... Yeah, I don't
0: know. If if we say he didn't, I mean, there's there's always dubiousness to anything we we you know we, we talk about. But I want to go with the interesting one for that. I I, I think let's go let's go for it. He, that was planned.
1: you, you changed your mind? Yeah. The more you about him. yeah. He does come across as scheming, doesn't he? He really
0: does. Yeah. So. And the fact with the crumb thing in the, the palace as well. That's.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll say that. Even so, he does lose that battle Either. he wasn't in charge of it though but he did cause it to fail so maybe that should go against him uh, he had the walls against Crumb in the original siege and came up with an, uh, a clever ploy to try and kill Crumb with the plot, yes. Oh, yeah. That was very daring. He then went out and defeated the Borgars, either in pitch battle or with a clever plan where he made it look like he'd ran away to get everyone off guard and then did a surprise attack, which is quite cool. We've never seen that before. I'm going with that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty good. And then, personal fighty, he's there. Okay, oh, it doesn't say this, but he was there standing on the altar swinging across.
0: <laughs> that's amazing.
1: <laughs> which... It's just a brilliant death. Uh, and he fought his death. He fought those assassins off.
0: And he went full on to Luke Skywalker losing his hand losing yeah. his arm. <laughs> Cross falls away. He looks up to the sword about to hit his neck and goes, "Sword you in the neck? <laughs> Last thing he said. Yeah. I'll put my sword into you.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't, I don't think it's top marks, but... Oh, no, no,
0: not at all, because he, he... Although, be off the ball, guys. They killed two previous emperors. He survived. Yeah, yeah. He's He defeated Crum. Well...
1: Yes. He outlived Crum. He outlived Crumb, yes. It's suspicious when Crumb died as well. I mean, come on. Yeah. Just before. I mean, we
0: can only... It's pure speculation, which most of our episodes always are, but... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I, I want to... Give him a healthy seven
1: Yeah, eight. I, I think seven is a, a good place to put it. It's not top tier, but it is definitely impressive. I'll give him an eight. You're giving him an eight. Okay, then. Fifteen. fightius Maximus.
0: crazy um,
1: He angered many when dealing with the Bulgars once Krummer died because he performed Bulgar customs to seal the deal. I'm actually well, playing a diplomat, though. I will quote. He did not use our oaths by God... But like some barbarous soul, he used dogs, and he cut off the bits whereof the lawless nations delight in taking their fill, and did not feel disgust at putting these in his mouth as confirmation. Now, that's not hugely clear what's going on there, but it sounds to me, to seal the deal, (laughs) he cut off the balls of a dog and popped (laughs) them in his mouth. And I bet that's not a tradition. Or <laughs> 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 the Borgans is looking really yeah. confused. <laughs>
0: well, no, I think they said that it's like, right, yeah, you beat us, right, yeah. So we got this tradition we want to do. <laughs>
1: yeah, we do this. Here's a dog. We do this after uh, every, every deal we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. Go on.
0: Go Here's on. a knife.
1: Yeah, no, in the mouth. There we go.
0: Right in the mouth. Yeah, it's, it's traditional. S- yeah. So. <laughs> Smile when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Very important that you do that. <laughs> 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 Through his friends' mind, just laughing at him. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. All uh, fell for that, didn't they? Uh
1: The sources utterly hate him. Uh, Stylitzes says, He was the most evil man who ever lived. Which seems a bit much. Um, they often say that about usurpers, don't they? Like? It's the iconoclasm. Ah. Uh, yeah, he brought Iconoclasm back. Yeah. Again, that's political, though. And he did it... To be fair, he did it in quite a,
0: a mild way.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, we'll discuss that in at Ultimus. But that is the reason why the sources hate him. Mm. Uh, the stories about him dashing the brains of children out on rocks is uh, oh, yeah. not good, is it? No, but I guess if you want to make a... I'm not defending it. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: but, do it yourself. No. Not again. Um, <laughs> but if you... Trying to make a point in that time, that's the way you do it. Like, I just
1: dominated you. Yeah. Look what I can do. He doesn't go on any crazy purges. No. He seems to go out of his way to try and make things go smoothly instead of just using a blunt instrument to force things through. And in such chaotic times, yeah. that has got to be appreciated. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he's insane. I think I've got to give him at least a couple of points for the story of him killing children on rocks but I'm just not convinced that happened so that's why I'm not going much higher than I'm that and I'm putting the balls of a dog in his mouth um, <laughs> I'll, give two. I'll, I'll give him No, i I'll give him a point for the story of the children because I don't think it's true but there's a story and I'll give him a point each for the dog balls <laughs> three so I'll give him three <laughs> yeah, that's a total of five <laughs> Successus Ultimus! Okay, Successus Ultimus. As I said, he was an iconoclast and he brought iconoclasm back, so therefore he's hated, hated by the sources. But, saying that, even they have to admit he did a fairly good job. Theophanes Continuatus says, and I quote, "...he was a man who took care of the affairs of the state. He bestowed honours on everyone by merit and not according to wealth, being himself insusceptible to money." So he was a fair ruler, and considering the sources also said he was the most evil man who ever lived, you get the feeling that that was a grudging acceptance from the sources there. That actually he was he was an all right ruler. Mm. Uh, he brought peace to the empire. The empire has been at war for a while.
0: Peace for like twenty
1: years or something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean it's 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 nice and peaceful for a while, so they can focus on things. If you were an iconoclast, you'd have been very happy. If you weren't, you wouldn't have been too happy. But it could have been worse. It definitely could have been worse. It was worse last time. A soft iconoclasm rather than a hard iconoclasm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's hard to define this one. A success as Ultimus but I've just put he he comes across as very clever yes now maybe it's because we've actually got some details for the first time in ages but he seems to have a bit more personality than we've had in a while you get the impression that he was a, a clever schemer who always had a plan yeah. and uh, those plans sometimes worked they didn't always work but but there's always these little stories of there are all these always these successful stories
0: of little things he did that improve the situation every now and again and it's not all in one section yeah, they are sort of spread out, which makes each one more believable. If you know what I mean, like with the the fake the the, the fake army thing with the Bulgars and the yeah, yeah. Thing, little things like that. Although it may not be believable, but actually when you tie it with other things, it's
1: plausible. Yeah, the the empire seems better than it was than when he started. And That's sure. a plus. That is a plus. He did concede some Latin to the Bulgars. But again, he but it probably was, had to. Yeah, it was looking quite grim yeah. for a while, so probably better than most people expected. I've got to go above five.
0: I, no, I have to, because the Empire's doing better than yeah. it
1: was. I'm not sure how much more above five. I'm going to go, go for six.
0: I don't think I can go
1: more than that. I'm going to go for... Yeah, no, it's some great stories, but not all of it is really linked to success, is it? Yeah, six. Twelve.
0: Imager. Imager.
1: You've gone for... Someone with hair. Generic youngish looking face. Young-ish. Well, there you go. Oh he's got a beard. Beard, long hair, nice crown, um fairly standard coin. You know he's got, got a says? long pointy finger, <gasps> which is E.T. finger. Word. It is an ET finger.
0: I love the way he's holding the cross. Yeah. That was his, his murder weapon he used.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yeah. It's a bit small on that. Um there's also a, a, a painting of him. Oh from the same Painting? Source that we've had recently, but you'll see why I'm not I've also put a coin in because it's deteriorated so much that he hasn't really got a face anymore. It's just a crown with some splodges underneath it. With a blue halo. But you can make out that he did have long hair and a beard. That's really fascinating. You can see sort of the you can see where the dark
0: elements were. Yeah. There's maybe a bit of colour from the colour of these from his skin. That's really actually quite fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, terrible.
1: Yeah, he's got a sword, he's sat in a chair, and oh, he's got a pointed finger on this one as well. It's like he's maybe been holding something. Yeah, he obviously liked pointing his finger. Is that of the time? Now, again, this is um, uh, a couple of hundred years after. Darvish. Yeah, Yes, it's not quite oh, contemporary, impressive. but it was painted in the time that the Roman Empire was around, so we're counting it. Mm. Um, so... Uh it's slightly better than average, but not amazing. Pretty much sums him up really, doesn't six. it? Six. Um, yeah, I've got a six as well. No, actually I'm not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> six. That is three Famigenopasia. Tent. Completely.
0: Six, seven, eight years, nine years.
1: Seven years. Well seven done. Seven years. Eight thirteen to eight twenty. I named up four years, so it wasn't I wouldn't say it was eight twenty though. We're getting close to, like, Alfred the Great time.
0: I'm 1066, 200 years. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're, years getting,
1: we're getting close to, like, it, English history. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> right. Anyway, seven years. That, through the spreadsheet, is 0.88. That gives me a total score. Of 35.88. How did you know that? What's that?
0: Have you been, like, counting as we're going along? You no, I saw track. you write it down. Oh! I was trying to hide it and look really clever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was... Genius, if you just worked that out as you went along.
1: No, nah, I saw you write it. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> I should have claimed otherwise. That's not a bad score. It's not an amazing score. It's almost the forties club. I thought that was a pretty good score. Actually, no, it's pretty. That's is a good. It? I would say that's a good score. No, what? Next time, I'll bring my spreadsheet along, and we'll uh, we'll actually okay. see who's done the, the best. The last
0: person to beat him. Third? No, that's Marcellus, Damn it. Um, okay, Michael got two point nine four. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can.
1: Cyracus got zero point zero three. <laughs> yeah, okay. You make a good point. It's it's definitely the best in a while. Oh, the, Irene got twenty eight. Oh, Constantine 5 got twenty seven point five.
0: Thirty seven point five. Thirty seven point five.
1: Yeah. So okay. No, that is that's good going, isn't it? Best since Constantine 5 And that's what people broke into his temple for to ask him to someone like him to come back. Yeah, and he did. Right, next round. Has he got it? Do they have a certain genesis?
0: I think yes.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Now, I don't know whether it's just because we've hit a new source on whether we're <laughs> going to have lots of nice, interesting details. I detail think that
0: now. is the main reason.
1: But it is so nice to have some interesting detail. Yeah. And how can you not give it to someone who fought to the death using a cross? Oh, you know, that
0: alone. His... I'm, imagine the finals in the <laughs> rounds. He'll be knocking them out.
1: Yeah, his... um. His death is, I think, my favourite death of any emperor <laughs> in both seasons so yeah. far. Yeah. So just for that alone. But also, his trick in the Bulgars, um, he's got a good prophecy story, his rivalry with Michael. It's just it's just pretty good, isn't it? So yeah, no, I'm I'm with you here. Well done, Leo 5. You have Genet Caesar head into, it's not really the, the Colosseum, is it? What do they do their fights in back they, they didn't. They don't fight. The Hippodrome. They do their races.
0: Into the Hippodrome, then. You are into the Hippodrome. For the race. Like a Formula One-style race at the end. Oh,
1: Ben-Hur. It'll all be Ben-Hur at the end. Chariot racing, yes. There we go. So we've decided <laughs> quite a few episodes into season two that they are going to the Hippodrome, and you are going along with them, Leo. Well done. Well done. Next time. Michael too. Michael, who currently is in prison in Chains. Mm. Mm. that's quite a climb <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: so we'll see what happens with him great, thank you very much for listening and don't forget to download us on iTunes and Stitcher, you can follow us on Facebook Twitter yep. and we'll respond to you and talk to you, please and please leave a review it's really good when you do that because it, it enables other people to experience us whether that's a good <laughs> thing or not is, is, is up to you I'd like to experience your podcast
1: <laughs> so, with that all we need to say is Mom! <laughs> He's dead! <laughs> Mom!
0: to all our watchers who'd like to say a Merry Christmas as you join us here for this Christmas Eve celebration for Songs of Praise. I'm joined here by Sebastian. Thank you
1: Thomas and uh, obviously we are here um, as tradition in the Palace Chapel. Here in beautiful Constantinople. Yes, the Emperor will be leading the service himself I believe or at least um, with quite a set of lungs on him. I've heard he's a very enthusiastic singer. Oh yes, you are definitely him and oh, and here, there you go, the traditional hymn, Last Christmas, ah, by a Juan. A lovely tribute to a beautiful time of year. And as yes. the, uh,
0: we can see the um, congregation taking to the, their seats, they're now starting to stand, and
1: oh, we see the emperor at the front. And, and there they go, what wonderful voices. The acoustics fill the air. What a marvellous building.
0: And we can see, as we look towards the south door... Oh,
1: we have some new people arriving. Yes, and the emperor there, I believe, shouting in between the verses that he'd like to give it to somebody special. <laughs> yes, just his little joke there, yes. <laughs>
0: um, uh, oh, you can see the, the the congregation on the back row. They seem to be reaching into their robes. Yes.
1: Well, hang, hang on a second, Sebastian. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sure this is part of the the traditional service. I, yes, If I remember correctly, there's a a, a demonstration, yes.
0: of, of arms. As we look in we can see them removing their ceremonial swords and yes. making their way towards the front. And, oh, we can see the rest of the congregation as well. Oh, An yeah. Sebastian. no, i've
1: I've seen this in Nicomedia before, no, a marvelous sight. yes. the 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 way the crowd moved back as the the people with the ceremonial swords, move forwards towards the emperor. Yes. Uh, a sign of dedication. And, and the, the the crowd moving
0: away, are very dedicated. They appear to be screaming. Joyous cries, joyous. Joyous cries, they leave the cathedral. Yes, uh, the song is obviously over now. Abrupt end. Um. Yes, and yes. They are ceremoniously holding their swords in the air, and now, ooh, one or two pining
1: towards the emperor himself. Yes, uh, forming a, a, a circular pattern, uh, which... Uh, Works quite well near the pulpit. Yes, the emperor is still oblivious to what's going on. Yes. Oh no, he's noticed. Look, he's oh, yes, turned round. Yes. Ah yes, the traditional cry of joy. Ah yes. yes, and he steps back one step, two step, and he's there. He's by the large cross.
0: You can feel the spirit of God moving within him as he clasps the cross within his two hands, lifts it into the air, and brandishes it wildly. Yes, I'm
1: not sure I've seen this before, I'll be honest. This is this is obviously a new tradition. It is a new tradition, yes. Tradition. yes and, uh, one with the survive of the ages, I'm sure I'm enjoying it, that's for sure. It's like a
0: dance, the way they're hitting the the swords onto the cross as in and, and the emperor is like... hitting it
1: back as in Go back evil, go back! Like Morris dancing. Yes. Yes. The clanking of of metal onward. The sparks flying. Yes. And Oh, he caught one of them there on the temple. That's probably an accident. Yes. Oh,
0: he's lodging it out. That's fine.
1: Oh oh it seems to be stopping. He's gone down on his knees for one last pray. And there oh, and we see that he is respectfully
0: in front of God and the congregation lost his right arm. Yes, the ceremonial losing of the arm. The ceremonial severance, I believe it's called. I can only assume so.
1: And there's the head.
0: And as as it rolls down the aisle, we can only be thankful that tomorrow is Christmas Day.
1: A new beginning, you could say. All sins are forgiven. Yes, the birth of Jesus, presumably a new emperor. Well, as the blood pools on the floor, we will just leave you with a merry Christmas. And a very happy new
0: year from Songs of Praise. (laughs)